We're back to Neil Haley's show here on the Author's Corner segment. And, you know, uh, I know she's excited about this book, especially the opportunity. She's a New York Times bestselling author. I'm excited to welcome the program, Mackenzie Lee, author of Gamora and Nebula. And this, the exciting thing is it's with Marvel Universe. How are you, Mackenzie? I'm so happy to be here talking to you. Absolutely. Let's kind of talk about, you know, how you became an author and congrats on that Forbes list. I mean, you're just rocking it. And then, then I, I bring up the word clubhouse and you've never been where I bet you people are going to be <laughs> laughing. I had to bring it up because I bring up clubhouse on my radio show all the time because you really uh, have really uh, accomplished a ton. So tell us a little bit about your background, how you started in writing. Yeah. So I originally set out to be a historian. I've I've been a lover of history my whole life. I've generally been a lover of storytelling my whole life, but it took me a little longer to identify that that was the connective tissue of everything. Um, so I went to school to become a historian. I lived in the UK. I was studying the Wars of the Roses and wanted to write a thesis on that and be an academic. And then I had a professor very gently tell me that my papers read too much like novels. And I couldn't write dialogue for Richard III, and I couldn't write scenes about Henry IV moodily pacing his battlefield because we didn't know if that had happened or not and so she kind of said either you need to change your writing or maybe look at writing something else and so I, I got kind of steered into writing historical fiction from that um, and I went on to get a degree in a master's degree in writing for children and young adults specifically um, and then I have uh, several nonfiction and fiction books that have been published plus uh, two with Marvel and one more forthcoming including uh, Gamora and Nebula. Wow. Okay. So all this happened. <laughs> a lot but of see, see, you're, and I'm going to take you back. I know you're here to promote your book, but I'm always interested in the backstory. So was this like an overnight success for you as a writer getting published and all that stuff? Or was it a process? Oh, God, no. No, <laughs> I, I mean, I still feel miles away from success. Um, no, I, I feel like I've been learning and learning how to be a writer my whole life. I was a, I was a fan fiction writer when I was a kid and never thought of that as something that would ever factor into my career. Um, but at the time I, when I was writing fan fiction, I was learning about story and I was learning how to collaborate and uh, work within a world while also within an existing world while also bringing my own spin to it. I was figuring out what things I liked in a plot, what things I didn't about the different components of it and, and, what I how I wanted to bring my own my own voice to it um so I I did that for a long time as sort of a secret fan fiction writer I've anyone in I was right. a very secret nerd if anyone in my immediate circles had found out about my fan fiction I would have changed my name and fled the country um but that taught me how to write in a lot of ways and then a history degree taught me how to research and taught me how to 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 learn that way and to learn about history and taught me to just think more broadly about history in general and historical narratives. Um, and then I wrote for a long time before I, um, before I published anything. And I wrote a lot before I published anything. I, the, the first novel I published was probably the fifth one that I had actually written and finished and tried to get published. And it took about five or six oh tries. My, oh my. Yeah. But five or six tries, but finally it happened. Then the whole hookup. But finally, yeah. I was going to say finally it happened, and then that first book I released, nobody read. Like, it's, so it's, so you, get, you, you, you never you, you never then... think about talking to a New York Times bestselling author, and I talked to many of them. That story, I mean, oh, so no one read the first one. See, that gives hope for uh, tons of people who listen to my show that want to write a book. 
start a podcast just because you failed the first time. And it's not a failure. It just didn't go well. It's not because it's not your talent. It was just not the right topic that resonated with the readers. That's the bottom line at the end of the day, right or wrong. Right. And there's so many factors that go into it that have nothing to do with you. It's about it's timing, it's placement in a bookstore, it's what's in the zeitgeist at the moment, it's other things that are popular, it's it's how the subway smells to the person reading the book on the sub. Like, there's so many factors that go into a person's enjoyment and how your book gets gets spread. Um, I think every overnight success is really somebody who you work for years for it. Exactly. See, and this is the interesting thing, in 11 years of my career in radio, doing it independently, Finally, now I'm making my mark in a way that it's coming back to me as a creator because of Clubhouse. I'm able to go on stages, you know, spit knowledge based on all the things that I've done in my career because now I have a voice in a voice app to be able to do it. So I understand completely. So I love to hear the story of, oh, well, guess what? My first book did not hit the mark. People love hearing that story. You know why? Because then they know they can, they don't have to give up. They can keep going in there as a creator, keep plugging away. So how did that New York Times bestselling book, were you like shocked when you saw you were on the bestseller list? Was it like a shocked or you expected it? <laughs> no, it was a total shock. And especially because it was also not that book that first hit the New York Times list was not slated to be a bestseller. And I think most people don't realize how much kind of orchestration there is behind the scenes to make big books the hits they are like there's a certain amount of marketing money and time and and publisher investment that has to go into it before it ever hits bookshelves um and so a lot of bestsellers are kind of um uh kind of pre pre-selected in a lot of ways and my second book was very much not one of those pre-selected books but i had learned kind of the first time around what i what i should have done differently i had figured out sort of the best things I could do as an author to promote myself. And then I just hustled really hard. Did you have the I, right I publisher? Had... Were you published for that one? Yeah, I was, I, yeah, I was published by Harper Collins. Okay. So it was a great publisher, but it's just when they have 200 books that you're in print. You out have here, to be, you have to come up with your own marketing plan. It sounds like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I, yeah. I, I did a ton of legwork on my own. I, I printed out copies of the book and gave them to, Booksellers, I worked in independent booksellers at the time and the indie bookstore community was so fantastically supportive. Um, I self-funded a book tour and I was like sleeping in airports Let's and sleeping see, there on you people's go. couches. Hard work. And never, I love it. I, I worked really hard, but also never with the idea like this will only be a success if it's on the bestseller list. I was just in my eyes. You wanted you wanted you wanted to be you wanted to be great. That's all. Right. Sure, but yeah. yeah, I wanted I wanted I wanted to do better than I'd done before. And, and I did. hope that's every book I do, I hope. Even if it's not, even if it doesn't sell better, I hope every book I write is better and I'm a better writer and I take away something from it that makes me a better writer than the one before. Do you, did you ever think of this Mackenzie, that your story is an unbelievable story to tell? Because think about it. The so many, do you know how many authors are out there that want to still just first of all be published? And you know how many authors that they get as published authors and they don't hit the mark and they feel so bad and they kind of give up and say, well, I'm never going to make it. And then you just decided you took that adversity of your first book and just turned it around. Then you see that New York Times bestselling uh, title. I mean, it's something that, you know, is very coveted. It's a, I was talking to a, 
uh, someone who was an eight to 10 time New York Times bestselling author. And her name will come to me in a second, a couple of weeks ago. And that's the kind of interviews I get all the time. But she told me, you know, it's just it's something that it's just a great thing to have, but it's just a title and you got to keep moving on and it strives. It makes her to want to get better and better at it. So from there, once you had success, I mean, to be in the Forbes 30 and all that stuff, you, you really have been hustling since then, right? This didn't stop. You weren't, you weren't happy with your success and saying, I'm done. I'm just going to kind of, you know, just ride the wave. You just kept, <laughs> you kept pushing. It sounds like for sure. I tried to. Yeah. Tell us how that way, like how that happens. So like what, what, what's in your DNA to say, okay, I've, I've, I've achieved the highest success as an author. Now, what do I have to do next to kind of even take it to the next level? I mean, I think part of it is, is realizing that there is no highest success. And I'm the kind of person that I just, I stay hungry. And every time I hit one of my goals, it's sort of like, okay, now what? Uh, you 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 get what you think is your ultimate goal, and you realize then there's another thing, and there's another thing, and there's another challenge. And sometimes exactly it, it it takes you off a different path. And like writing for Marvel is not something I I ever thought would be on my resume. But when the opportunity presented itself, it was like, of course I want to do this. Like exactly, this is, yeah. this is going to make me a a better and different writer in so many ways. And so part of it is just is staying hungry and saying yes to opportunities and always looking for for what the next thing is going to be. And I think as a, as an artist and as a creative person, you have to have that kind of inherent in your personality that you have to never be satisfied, which exactly. can be yeah. a, a it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> Forbes 30. Now, was that before you had your first book with Marvel or after? That was just after the first one was published. That's again, wow. I mean, it's your, your resume is just amazing. And so we'll get to the book, but Thank I you. love I love these stories. And I'm telling you, if you were on Clubhouse, they want to interview everyone in the big rooms to hear your success because that's what people all are looking for. They're looking for that inspiration and success in the trials and tribulations of life to say, I want to truly make it. And I'm going to be honest with you, all these interviews, I've done over 7,000 plus interviews since I started 11 years ago. And what I've learned in those 7,000 plus interviews, once I got onto Clubhouse, is that, wow, I'm a good speaker. Wow, people want to listen to me. You don't know that when you're sitting in a studio, you have the numbers, but yet you don't get the feedback that you get when there's a back and forth. And that's got to be so great with once you hit that New York Times bestselling list that you have fans and those fans come back to read your books. That's got to be amazing, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredibly cool to have fans and I, I don't want to discount them at all, but like with the notoriety also comes you get the opposite side of that and you get people who the more successful you get, the more they want to see you fail. And, um, I, I, I know, I know that too. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You get, you get both sides of it. And, um, I'm, I'm so happy that there are people who come back to read all my books and who, who love me as a creator enough to read anything I do. Um, but everything kind of scales relative to that. So it comes with added pressure. It comes with, um, added expectations. Exactly it comes with uh, a disappointment that it's almost worse when you have someone who's like, I love the first book so much. And so the second one is such a letdown. It's like, Oh no, you once loved me. (laughs) It's that, it's that way where, and whatever thing you're trying to achieve, once you achieve it, it's like, okay, what's next. And that's, but there's only certain people born like that. And you are. 
Okay, let's talk about the book for just a quick few minutes. Again, Gamora and Nebula. So tell us about that. And again, being with the Marvel land and it's out now in bookstores. Tell us about it. So most people probably know Gamora and Nebula from their appearance in the Guardians of the Galaxy films and then in Avengers uh, Infinity War and Endgame. As you're going to the... laugh at me. I've never seen any of them. So that's probably why I'm not. Oh, I'm not... you're missing out, man. So when, <laughs> but when I have to stick. <laughs> yeah. They're great. They're so they're they're the adopted daughters of this um sort of insane warlord who's on a quest to wipe out half of humanity named Thanos. Um and they have been raised to be warriors and raised to be assassins and raised to literally be be tools for him and his his evil empire without having any sort of free will themselves. And so the book is is set as they they are on this a dying planet that has been strip mined into nothing and the people who people who live there have been sort of forced to destroy their home and forced into these terrible indentured servitudes and um, so Gamora and Nebula come uh, pitted against each other in this race to see who can who can find the heart of the planet first um, but all but what it's then becomes more about is them starting to recognize the the manipulation and the outward influences that have shaped their lives and and recognizing that these things they think of as being as being true are maybe just things that have been told to them a lot, um, including the fact that they they think they're rivals and they think they're oh, always wow. in competition together. And they start to realize that maybe we've been told this to keep us from joining forces so that <laughs> yeah. because if we if we team up, we'll knock them all over. Does it sound like something going on in our country today? Hmm. I think so. <laughs> It's an age-old story, really. Yeah, exactly. Because we keep his, learning the same lessons. History repeats itself. You're a historian. History repeats mm-hmm. itself. I have an really undergrad in history. It keeps going over and over and over again. Okay, no, big deal. Taxes have gone up. That's in their history. It always happens. And there's always been where the world is over because someone else is president. And then we're going to go through that cycle. And then we're going to go back through the cycle again. It's just, it's a cycle of society. Just keep being driven like Mackenzie and you're fine. Uh, writing a books like this for Marvel, again, this is not, you come up with the creativity, but you have, do you get like a script to say how we want you to write this book or certain things? No, mm-hmm. I, I sort of thought that's how it would be. I thought I would get an outline that I would write to, but they they really brought me in as a, as a co-collaborator and they brought me in because of my voice and my perspective on things and they wanted me to bring that to these books and I think that's been one of the things that's made Marvel so successful as a as a franchise is that they bring in really interesting unique creators and let them bring their own vision and experience and voice to the stories they're telling within the universe so I, I with this one in particular I sort of came and said I want to do a space western I grew up in the western United States and sort of grew up with this red rock and cowboys and ranches and mines and ghost towns and i want to sort of deconstruct that myth of the of manifest destiny in the american west and um all in a sci-fi setting about about sis- of alien sisters um and they were so receptive to that and, oh, wow. and sort of would come back and say okay well what if you did this and there there are people in the the company who are so much more well-versed in like the comics and the lore than i am and so they would bring in they said okay so you talked about you want to talk about religion so have you read about the universal church of truth in marvel and i said no and they would send me these comics and i would read them and it would work perfectly and then i would say okay so what if we did this and what if i brought in this character and they say yeah and what if you did this and have you read this and and it was a it was truly a collaboration which i was not expecting and it was such a cool fun thing to be a part of 
you've already checked the box. And then you're going to say, oh my, Neil's going to call me out on this. You've already checked the box of New York Times bestselling author. You've already checked the box of Marvel uh, author. Uh, Forbes 30. When are is one of your books going to be made into a movie? We're waiting on that now. <laughs> There's one being adapted right now. Not one of the Marvel ones, but one of my original historical fiction um, books is being adapted by Greg Berlanti for HBO. Let's see. So oh, there you go. So that check you're you're on your way. So where what's next <laughs> for you? I mean, what can you accomplish next? Now, like, are you gonna just have a a, a, a list of New York Times bestselling books, or or are you gonna are you gonna branch out to something else? I just see you not the kind of person to say I'm just gonna write the rest of my life. I could see you write, but also do something even bigger. I don't know. I just, the, the, your energy, that's what I see. I, I don't get that energy from a lot of people I interview and I, I get it from you or I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm done you. or I'd be gone. I'm just like, okay, I'm out. I got it. I got uh, your relate. It, it was my fault too. But meaning I see this energy with you. Where are you going next? I don't know, but I want to keep telling stories forever. Um, whether those are real stories from history, whether they're imagined stories, whether they're told through books or through film or stage or standing up in front of people on an online platform like whatever the case i want i want to be a storyteller my whole life um and i i don't know how i'm going to do that i don't know where that's going to take me but but i'm 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 never going to sit still i'm going to chase that i think forever so that fireside invite you got that you couldn't make jump on it asap because okay that what 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 fallon and Mark Cuban is doing is tremendously huge in the storytelling. Their app's all about storytelling. Just FYI, you should have been on it, but hey, you know, just join it because I gave you that link. Go through it. Go in and ask to be a creator, and I'm sure Fallon will come back to you, and it'll be another way just to kind of just tell stories because you're a storyteller, and I could see. I, you know what I see? I see more. I see a talk show host. I see something more. I see. I see. <laughs> no, that's it. Let's not go crazy here. Now, our podcast, I see a famous podcast maybe. Got to check out podcasts too. See? I'll look into it. I've, these, I have heard of these podcasts. Things. No, they're big money. Just trust me. Okay. <laughs> Especially, I think Marvel's making some of them, but I just, They've I just, got a bunch, yeah, yeah, exactly. I was hearing that. That was the big rant in the podcasting world, but I appreciate uh, talking with you. Everyone can pick up the book right now. Independent, independent bookstores for sure. And then also available on Amazon. Correct. Do you have a website to, exactly. to, to purchase I it? I do. Mm-hmm. MackenzieLee.com has all the buy links. So I, I told you you'd have a different interview with me, but this is the kind of thing that I'm learning from social audio. Have this conversation. I always have had this conversation back and forth, but I'm really kind of painting the picture of what my audience wants. And that's where the future of radio, podcasting, and social audio are going because we want a feedback from the audience and get them more and more engaged. And the more people can be engaged in life, the more we can know what our listeners, our readers, our viewers want and that's exciting so best of luck to you and thanks again for stopping by oh thank you so much for having me it was great to talk to you all right you're welcome take care see you're listening to neil haley's show and we'll be back in just a moment 